What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the EPM show. This is all things enterprise performance management, and we're here to give you an unfair career advantage. I am your host today. My name is Chad Pike, flying solo, but don't worry about that because the episode today is fire. We have Bhavik Vashi in the house. He's the managing director of Asia Pacific at Carta. And now before he made the move to Carta, Bhavik spent about a decade at Anaplan. He started as a model builder and he eventually moved all the way up to lead Asia Pacific. And what's so impressive to me about him is just his perspective on all things Anaplan, having been there from, I think it was Series B funding all the way up until the time of Bravo acquisition. So he's got a really unique view on how Anaplan created a new category and how they went from being just a finance tool to a completely horizontal platform solution that was able to serve every department in the organization. He'll talk about the importance of being obsessed with your customer and how that can lead you into new innovations. He'll share a little bit about what it was like to build Asia Pacific as a market from the ground up and the learnings he had there and why mastering the product is absolutely critical to your career growth. And he also makes some interesting predictions about what we call EPM 3.0. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you learn from it and take away some great value. Check it out. We'll dive right in here. Give me your career flyover in 60 seconds. And I'm going to throw a timer on real quick just to make this kind of fun. Ready? Go. Okay, 60 seconds. Yeah, born and raised in the U.S., lived in eight different states, predominantly Orange County, went up to school at UC Berkeley, go Bears, and then ended up working in San Francisco, started my career at KPMG in audit, hated it, tried to get out of there before busy season, ended up interviewing with this company called Anaplan, had no idea kind of who they were, but heard some good things and ended up spending a decade, almost a decade at Anaplan, worked the first three and a half years based in San Francisco, the last kind of six and a half years based in Singapore, covering Asia Pacific across a variety of different go-to-market roles from you know professional services consulting, customer success, uh, did a stint in partnerships before kind of full-scale sales and general management, and uh, just left Anaplan last year after we sold the company to Tama Bravo. Uh, and now kind of in my, my new gig over here at Carta, leading our business across Asia Pacific. Crushed it right on time. <laughs> That's what I'm awesome. talking about. One more fun question before we really dive into the meat of the show. What is your all-time favorite movie and why? Ooh, dang. That is – okay, so here's the real answer is I actually watch very little Hollywood I'm okay. a big Bollywood guy. Okay, so I'm obviously, I'm in Indian origin. My parents born and raised in India. So I actually grew up watching Bollywood movies. And so I, I don't think, you know, I don't know how many of the viewers did, but for those who watch, um, I think for Kabi Kushi Kabi Kam is an all-time classic. And Dilwale Dulhaniya Le Jayenge is also an all-time classic. So those two are my kind of my real answers. But, it, you know, just to, to make sure I get something from Bollywood, honestly, I have to say, I think the one that left an impression on me was Hitch. I know it's not like a standard okay. answer, but yeah. I think Will Smith and Hitch, it's like something I can just watch a million times and never get bored of it. And I just thought like the swagger and all that, it was awesome. And I think I was at like that super impressionable age as well when I was watching that, where I just thought he was the man. 
That's awesome. So two things. Number one, you exposed me to a whole new world in Bollywood. So I'm going to have to get, we're going to have to dive a little deeper on that outside of this episode. Cause I want to, <laughs> I want to get your recommendations on some good movies. Yeah. And uh, then yes, yes to hitch. My wife and I love <laughs> that movie. There's just so many good, like one liners and funny scenes. I think it's one of his best, honestly. I really yeah. do. It's just him at his best. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's awesome. Just the swagger is off the charts. Oh, yeah. No, so good. So you told me that you spent about a decade at Anna Plant. So you've obviously seen a lot and you were there from yeah. Series B, right? If you could just take the audience through like that evolution and what you saw from the time you got there to the time you left after the Tama Bravo acquisition. Yeah, it was crazy. I said I had no idea what I was getting into in retrospect. I heard that it was a cool cool technology. I mean, I really joined for the people. I, I met, I had 10 interview rounds and, and I was basically interviewing for an entry-level position. My my first official title at Anaplan, which is kind of funny, was literally on my offer letter, model building guru. That was my that was my first position, right? And, and I had to tell my parents, they're like, what's your new job? I said, it's model building guru. But they're like, what? <laughs> and so coming from KPMG, very formal professional environment, and then going into Anaplan, which was very much a startup at that time, was really interesting. It's hard to kind of put into words. We basically created a category in terms of connected planning. We used to, we had a lot of terms that weren't as sexy before that, but we landed on connected planning eventually. But really we just had this amazing product, kind of something that people hadn't seen before in terms of a truly horizontal developer toolkit is kind of how I used to think about Anaplan, but for the business user. And just in the early days, it was really discovering the possibilities. We would have customers come to us and we thought I mean, I think Michael and, and Simon and Doug and some of our founders really thought that they had built a financial planning tool, right? Coming from a data and Cognos and IBM, that's kind of the history. But I remember we had our first couple of customers come to us and say, hey, I want to try to build a commissions calculator, right? I think that was McAfee that came to us and like, can we build a commissions calculator? And, you know, the legendary Prakash, I think, and Simon himself helped them with that. And they're like, ah, if it's math, then you can put numbers together in a you know, you know, mathematical way, I'm pretty sure Anaplan could do it. And then one after another, we kept having these experiences where we're like, hey, can Anaplan do this? And can Anaplan do that? And effectively, we just turned it into a verb of like, can we Anaplan that? And uh, that's when we discovered this whole like new world for us, which was going to be a, a platform play, a go-to-market that was centered around different use cases for different industries and then I think the challenge for us scaling really just became, what do we prioritize? Because we always had limited capacity and resources from a product perspective, go-to-market perspective. So it was, okay, well, we could do a million things for a million different people. Where should we start? Where should we focus? And we definitely tried various different things in that. We got partners involved in our go-to-market and started thinking about partnerships and channels. Had the App Hub came out and we had a bit of a stop and go with that and then relaunching now, which is really interesting. So it's a full circle 10 years later. There's a couple things that I want to dive deeper into that you said there. And the first, I can't let this go, the model building guru. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I don't know if they still have that position. I would guess no, maybe not. They but... don't. No, you know what the funny thing about that is it, they don't have that position title because we revolted. So there were a couple of us that were like, this title is kind of a joke. And a shout out to Simon Tucker, one of our co-founders, a mentor, a coach, and a lifelong friend for me. He was always like this. He wanted model building gurus and he wanted Jedi Knight status, the Anaplan community. He really liked to make it fun and approachable. 
And there were, there were a bunch of us hired after me because I was the second person in this particular position hired. It was a, a girl named Vicky that was hired before me. And then we hired a bunch of people and we were trying to recruit people from big four, right? We were hiring a lot of people from like KPMG, PwC, and it's hard to attract them on that title. Maybe we should just call it consultant, right? <laughs> That's going to look better, feel better for certain people. And so we had the same role, but we, we rebranded it to consultant, senior consultant. And like we created all the, the traditional levels eventually. I love the attitude and the goal of making it fun. I think that's really important. One of the things that I heard is y'all were almost figuring out what the platform could do as you went and as your customers sure. came to you with problems. And I think what's amazed me at just in the business world in general, independent of EPM, I listened to podcasts called How I Built This. And so they interview like entrepreneurs who've started these crazy successful companies. And the common theme is that most of the time, what they built is not what they set out necessarily to do at the beginning. Like you yeah. said, well, we thought we had a financial planning tool and then yeah. we evolved into this platform. So yeah. what was the attitude around the customer and the approach yeah. of the customer? Cause what I'm hearing is it's more about how do we help our customers, whatever that looks totally. like. I think we were very customer obsessed and customer centric before those became super cliche terms that everybody had to say in an earnings call. A lot of our leadership came from Adatum, Cognos, IBM. They were from the EPM legacy world. They knew what that world was like. And then they had a bunch of us who were brand new to the industry, didn't know much. Most of us learned Anaplan before we even learned Excel or at least in conjunction, right? So we didn't have any baggage coming in in terms of how we thought about how the product should work or how things should be done. And I think that was a perfect mix of these really early in career, totally unconstrained thinkers of us and our leadership, which had a lot of experience in EPM for a long time. Our CEO at the time, Fred, was from SAP and he had hired a bunch of SAP people as well. So we had you know, all that know-how. And so it was just this convergence. And Simon, being our chief customer officer, that was his role at the time. He was all about solving problems for the customer. And then Doug... Another one of our co-founders, he's a very vocal person and we would hear him in the office and he just wanted to get rid of shitty software. <laughs> he used to say that all the time. He's like, we're here to get rid of shitty software. And that oftentimes just meant figuring out how to make it happen for our customers. And so many of the things that you see out there right now as best practices and now industry standards, think data hub as a concept, right? Think connected planning as a concept, think app hub as a concept. Think some of the best practices on sparsity management, ALM, all these things were things we discovered by implementing some really insane, gnarly projects and realizing that we were breaking it. And we were like, okay, Michael, our original founder, we sometimes I would get on the call with Michael and some of our senior product people and be like, okay, we're trying to do this. And he's like, you're trying to do what? And then we would be like, okay, let's solve for this through really creative model building and solution architecture. And then eventually they would solve it with product. So that's how most of our product features were released. They would release the formulas we needed. They would release certain capabilities we needed. And, and that's how we started. It was really fun. This first three years, three and a half years that I was based in San Francisco at our headquarters, and we were doubling and tripling the business year over year doing stuff like this. It was so fun. I love the focus on innovation and we're not afraid if we mess up and if yeah. we break it, we'll fix it and we'll troubleshoot and we'll solve problems. And that's how you can build some of the best products and services. I know you talked about you were in San Francisco for three and a half years or so, and then you transitioned to APAC to build the APAC business. Can you maybe talk yeah. to talk to the audience a little bit about APAC as a region 
and how you saw EPM grow in, in that area of the world and what it looks like now. Yeah, yeah. It was totally random that I ended up coming here. We had just gotten to a point in the U.S. where we had almost crossed the chasm, so to speak, and we were starting to scale up the business. We had landed all of our marquee customers. We had Salesforce as a customer back then. We had Workday as a customer. We had Adobe as a customer. We had all the who's who, Cisco, big contract customer, so on and so forth. All the big names were coming on for one use case, and we knew that we were going to have to farm them and expand them and eventually take them on that connected planning journey. But we were hitting the scale. We had just made the transition from being more uh, professional services and consulting oriented to being more real customer success oriented in terms of having individuals manage a book of business and figure out how to take them on that connected planning journey and find those new use cases. We were starting to hit scale mode and I was enjoying it. I was managing a team. We were growing. It was awesome. And I just got this opportunity. Simon, again, he's a recurring character in my entire Anaplan journey, phoned me up one day and basically took me to dinner and said, Hey, what do you think about going to Singapore and building out Asia Pacific? And I was like, what? <laughs> and so uh, it's like, have another wine. And then it was, uh, it was one of those moments that eventually I was like, why not? I think it was perfect timing for me. I love building things. I've realized that's who I am. And so the opportunity to just go to something super early stage was exciting. And then getting to Asia pack over the last six, six and a half years, we, we grew the business quite significantly somewhere in the ballpark of what was a five to $10 million business got up to almost a $90 million business in that time. And so Watching that journey and seeing how customers in Asia Pacific were adopting the technology was really interesting. Some of the key learnings is in certain Asian markets, your innovators or the people that want to embrace new technology come from the most unexpected places. For example, Philippines became one of our largest markets very early on, which is not anything any strategy consultant from the outside in would say, oh yeah, that's definitely where the money's going to be in Philippines, right? But we had certain people that just understood kind of the value proposition. Obviously we had a great sales team and a great go-to-market team that was selling it, but yeah, they just embraced it. And, and we realized that's a country where there are like 10 families that more or less run the country. And they have these massive sprawling conglomerate structures where within one entity, you're actually running 10 different subsidiaries, which are 10 completely different industries. One's oil and gas, one's real estate, one's telco, one's retail. And again, you think Vanaplan, hey, this is the one solution that could actually build operational plans for each of those different industries, and then also kind of roll that up at the kind of parent conglomerate level and give you a consolidated, aggregated view of financials, yes, but also the operational drivers of the business and the underlying things. And so that was kind of our experience. And so we really had to be pretty open-minded about those early adopters and then use those to kind of flip back into some of the more mature and established markets like Australia, Singapore, that you would expect and, and say, hey, look, this is what people are already doing. They're kind of bleeding edge. Here are the use cases. Here's the return they've gotten. Here's the value they're seeing. And then those markets, the developed markets would, would actually follow the emerging markets, which I think mm -hmm. was, at least for me, a little bit unexpected. There's so, so many good nuggets here in terms of how to build a successful career in this space. I'm hearing focus on customer success be innovative and take smart risks. Your move yeah, to yeah. Singapore to build the APAC region was a smart risk to take, right? You knew Anaplan, you knew the product, you knew it worked, but it was a new market. Can you talk to our audience about what does it take to grow a successful career in this space? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and super close to home, actually. Interestingly enough, as I exited Anaplan last year, my wife entered the Anaplan ecosystem. 
So she's just entered the Anaplan ecosystem and is working with one of our premier partners in APAC as a consultant, basically as a functional and, and technical solution architect. And so we're having this conversation every night right now. She's learning her model building. She's doing her L1 or L2 and all these other things. And I'm able to obviously help her and give some perspective given my long history in the space. And we talk a lot about this. Honestly, if I were to keep it really simple to anyone in this space, I would say it's actually not super complicated. You have to master the product. Over the almost 10 years at Anaplan, it was remarkable to me how many people would join the organization and felt like it was not that important to really understand the product. And at the end of the day, I was used to be like, we're a product company and, and everything else is great and fine. I don't think I've built a model since 2016, perhaps end to end. Right. But the fact that I could, and the fact that I understood how that happens and all the complexity and nuance and context and pitfalls that come with that made me a very effective customer success person and made me an effective partnerships person. It made me an effective salesperson because there was just a really deep understanding of our customers, their pain points, the product, what it can and can't do and how to marry product to pain point like that. That's only possible if you really understand it, right? Because if you're just talking in EPM generalities, they're all going to sound very similar and you're not going to be able to really identify that unique differentiated value proposition that you might be able to provide. And I think customers, they really appreciate that. They appreciate someone who knows their stuff, honestly. Yeah. Just the simple focus of master the product, become an expert so you can marry product to pain point better than anybody else. And to your point, the customer will experience that. They'll know when they're dealing with a true expert. It's an investment too. Most of these products, if it's a good product, it doesn't take more than three months to learn, maybe six, if you want to be like on the conservative side and maybe like a year to master, right? If it takes longer than that, the product's probably too hard to learn. And you might have to look in the mirror about why is your product so hard to learn. But that's not a lot of time to invest. And then you have that foundation for the rest of your career. So even if you're interested in being an EPM salesperson or any go-to-market person, or even a product person, or even back office, if you're working back office in an EPM company, you're working in finance and HR, like you should probably be a champion of the product because you're the person that we would be selling to. So you should be championing the use of that and ideally understanding how that works. And we had some great leadership throughout the years at Anaplan where we would actually force everyone to take L1 and get certified to a certain degree on our own product. And we definitely drank our own champagne. I mean, I had access to 50 internal Anaplan models for every single use case you could ever imagine. So I think we were pretty good at that overall, but still, it's just something that is somehow still underestimated in terms of its potential value. Yeah, absolutely. Got to be willing to drink your own Kool-Aid. I know sure. when you transitioned out of Anaplan, you got a pretty unique view of just the EPM space. Give me your thoughts on what's <sighs> what's coming next in EPM. Yeah. It's a super interesting time for EPM right now. I think Anaplan was the bona fide category creator and, and winner, right? Especially if you think of EPM 2.0. If you think of 1.0, SAP, Oracle, IBM, sure. And then there was a 2.0, broadly speaking, there's Anaplan. The Planful was there. There was a formerly known as Host. It was uh, Adaptive, which was acquired by Workday. There was Tidemark, which was a company that I think got acquired as well. So we won, I think pretty safely, you could say we won that particular phase. And now there's this new phase, right? And there's all these different companies out there on 
taking elements of Anaplan and trying to do them better or trying to do them for a very specific segment or a very specific set of specific functions, specific segments, specific industry. They're finding their niches and they're improving usability, which is important. Obviously, it's hard for them to catch up on performance and scale and security. That's always comes later, but they're solving for the users, which I think is a good idea. But I do know that people are working on stuff right now that could potentially be really transformative. And I think to do that, you've got to have a proprietary and game-changing calculation engine. I think people who don't have that, they're still doing a relational database and some of the old, basically old technology on new hardware and, and on the cloud and all those other things, which are fantastic, I agree. But if it's not game-changing from that perspective, and you don't have a game-changing go-to-market business commercial model, like you've made your product so easy to use that you're actually willing to offer it for free, and you think that random Excel users can pick it up and start learning it without ever taking any training. I don't think anyone's achieved that level of onboarding simplicity from a model builder perspective, nor from an end user perspective. And it's really hard because planning is complicated, it's multidimensional, et cetera. I get why it's a hard problem to solve, but until someone solves that or has a really fundamentally different calculation engine or just completely transforms the way you interact with the system, either through a combination of like some of the language learning models that you're seeing and applying those on top of the financial and planning data model, or just the way you interface and input as well as extract data from the platform. I don't know. I just don't think we've seen the next player yet. I don't think it's in market yet, but we'll see. That's a hot take and I love it. I love it. That you, Anna Plan. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I probably offended some friends and people. In the call. It's not to, like, I think there's great technology out there. I think they're all going to do super well. For sure. I think they have an opportunity to have positive exits and outcomes and all of that. I just, for me, transformative, yeah. different, fundamentally different. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. It's what is EPM 3.0? What is that going to look like? And that's kind of where yeah. we're at. That could be a whole nother episode in and of itself. So we should definitely dig in there a little bit further. This has been a treat. I think you've had some incredible things to share with our audience from your journey at Anaplan, what's happened in the space. I'm curious, what's next for you? Do you have any sort of a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal that you're going after? One of the reasons I decided to join Carta is to transform the way private markets work. There's a ton of liquidity in the public stock market. You can buy and sell shares freely, willy-nilly, right? And that doesn't exist in the private market. And at a very, very high level, we'd like to increase ownership, increase liquidity levels in the private market to be on par with the public markets. So for me, that's kind of my new big hairy goal is like, how do we do that? And there's a very different kind of go to market and, and product innovation and different user base and audience that we're trying to solve for here at Carta. That's one, but I think beyond that and kind of pairing the Anaplan experience to this experience and getting a lot more entrenched with startup founders and, and venture capital, I think honestly, my big hairy audacious goal will be to, to start a company. And I think that the problem I decide to solve will be based on the, the experiences that I have in this particular role that I'm in right now. And if no one's figured out EPM 3.0, then maybe that's, that will be the problem I go back to solve once I have, you know, a little bit more exposure across the market. But I think an entrepreneurship journey from zero to one and starting my own company would be, would be really cool. Love it. And I am totally aligned as a BHAG. That's great. Well, thanks so much for the time today. This has been an incredible episode and our audience is in for a treat. Thanks for having me, Chad. Great, great talking to you. 
Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're consuming this, if it's YouTube, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. We have a lot more amazing guests on the way, a lot more great content. We're doing our best to bring you value and have fun while we do it. And we really want this to be a career advantage listening to this show and we want you to enjoy it. So it means a lot. Make sure you're subscribed for what's what's to come. And also, if you're up for it, it would mean a lot if you leave us a like, a comment, a rating, a review, whatever platform you're on. That really helps and it gets us fired up when we see those. So I appreciate you guys. Find us on LinkedIn. I'm Blake Bozarth, my co-host Chad Pike with a Y. Would love to connect with you there. Have an awesome day. See you next time. Peace.